We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And we are live. Once again, it is the Field of 68 Best Bets podcast and Best Bets live stream. My name is Rob Doster. The gentleman you see over there with the AirPods in is the one and only Jeffrey Goodman, live from his uh, his hotel suite in Indianapolis, Indiana. How you doing, sir? Uh, I'm well. I'm well. Can you hear me okay with these things in? I haven't used them really all year, but we've got a, a special surprise today, and, and I wanted to make sure uh, the quality uh, was good. Yeah, I, I think I know who the surprise is. I got to guess. I haven't told you. Yeah, I haven't told you. I just informed you that, that we were going to have a surprise. All right. Um, but before we get into that, yeah. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's just let's cover VCU Oregon really quick. What do you know about that situation? What can you report about that situation? What details do you have for the people that, that are living under a rock or that may have been too drunk last night to remember? Uh, VCU had multiple positive tests pop up in the last 48 hours, and they, were, um, they, they weren't allowed to play. Their game was canceled. They were sent home. So we did not um, – we only got yeah. 31 of the 32 first-round games that we were supposed to get. Uh, what can you tell me about that situation? So basically, uh, they had multiple tests earlier in the week, okay? Like Wednesday, Thursday, midweek, they had multiple tests. Thought maybe there was a chance they were going to be able to play, uh, but then they got hit with another uh, positive yesterday, and, and that was it. You know, the, the, the county, Marion County, stepped in and basically said, we're not comfortable uh, with you playing, which made sense because if you've got multiple ones, obviously you're playing against Oregon. If Oregon wins – what happens there. So obviously you, you got to be a little bit sensitive and careful to the overall tournament. Um, so Mike Rhodes knew this, this could be coming. It didn't make it any easier. I spoke to him and uh, AD Ed McLaughlin uh, right after the news broke. And, you know, the, you can just tell, like they were, they were absolutely heartbroken for the, for the players, you know, like Bones Highland broke down. All the other players were crying. Um, you know, and, and I don't know if this could have been avoided. You know, there are a couple scenarios that popped up that I reported on afterwards yeah. that, you know, Roger Ayers was the referee who tested positive and, and, and was sent home um, on Monday. And he uh, officiated Sunday's game between VCU and St. Bonaventure. And a lot of people are telling me, well, if VCU got it, why didn't St. Bonaventure get it? Well, because St. Bonaventure, most of its players had already tested positive. Uh, VCU, that wasn't the case. They really hadn't had any uh, hit through the program. So that was one scenario. Another scenario that was brought up to me by several uh, people in the A-10, uh, whether it's St. Bonnie's or VCU related, was that they were staying at a hotel in Dayton. They, they both got there. Teams got there Friday night, and there was some sort of state tournament with a bunch of people uh, walking through the hotel and around the hotel without masks on. You know, they, again, these are scenarios. We have no idea what contributed. It might have been something completely different. Uh, we know even the people who, who take the, the best precautions uh, get hit with COVID at times. So uh, I'm not saying that either definitely uh, contributed to it. What I would say is I'm surprised that they didn't find a hotel, the A-10 didn't, that was only relegated to uh, VCU and St. Bonaventure in Dayton. Mm-hmm. I, I'll say this: the uh, the hotel part of it is something that I kept hearing when, when talking with people about this. Um, the the reason why they went to the hotel that they went to was the ease of it because it was directly across the street from from the sure. arena they were playing in. Yeah, 
which, which makes sense. But the problem is when you do that um, and you have it open to the public, you no longer have a controlled environment. You know, that, the best thing about this is um, the NCAA has been very, uh, very strict in referring to this as a controlled environment instead of as a bubble. Um, which may, I, I, And the difference really is not it's not enormous as long as you're able to actually keep people out of the place that you're in. But you're not able to keep people out of the place that you're in if you have a basketball state tournament going on uh, with all the people staying in the same hotel and people walking masked through the lobby. And, and um, it was it was a problem waiting to happen. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, the people that made the decision to stay at that hotel in the Atlantic 10 are going to be, uh, you know, they, they're going to they're gonna have to answer some questions. Uh, we do have a guest that just popped up, though. Are you ready, Jeffrey? I, and I'm I was, ready. Are you ready? Who it was going to be? I knew exactly who it was going to be. All right, all right. Well, you're smarter. Than me. What's up, Bowles? Head coach of the Ohio, up, Ohio University Bobcats. How we doing, man? Doing great. Yourself? Thanks for having me on. What's uh, up, Jeff? Not much. How you doing today? I think I have a nicer hotel room than you, or bigger. <laughs> Did you get a suite? Like, I want to know what you got. I'm over here at the residence inn. I got, I got the double. I got the fridge behind me. How's your hotel? You know, I got a suite and I got an awesome view um, of the Capitol building. And, um, nice. yeah, it's a really cool view. So I'm, give I'm, me, when, when you woke up this morning, Jeff, um, what what was it like for you? You had reality hit that Virginia, the defending champs in the NCAA tournament. Like, your, your road's a little bit different than a lot, and, and we can talk about that later. But um, what, what were the feelings when you woke up today? Yeah, I mean, it's still surreal. You know, I mean, to, to beat Virginia, defending national champs, ACC champs, and uh, obviously have a lot of great respect for Coach Bennett and what he's been able to do uh, at Virginia. And, um, you know, just crazy, surreal. So, Jeff, everybody knows the, the, the story of Jason Preston at this point, right? Like, he was six foot as a senior in high school, somehow ends up on at an AAU tournament that gets him into a prep school. Uh, and as the legend goes – you offered him a scholarship based off of some mixtape that he posted on Twitter and some highlights that you had seen. Is that, can you, is that one, is well, that I, true? Can you just kind of, it wasn't both. Yeah, I was near uh, Saul, Saul Phillips and, and Will Ryan was the guy who's the head coach at Wisconsin Green Bay. And, um, you know, I always said like what Will saw in him, you know, obviously a lot of other people didn't. And, um, you know, when he, when he ended up coming to OU, he was about six three one sixty. And, you know, his freshman year, he played off the ball for most of the year. And then um, probably about the maybe last six, seven games of the regular season, they put him on the ball. And uh, you could just tell he had it, you know, that vision, the passing. And uh, so when I got there, he was about 6'3", 170, and he grew another inch and, you know, gained about 15, 20 pounds that summer. And just, like, if you go back to his story, Rob, like, Everything that happened, the way it happened, like to get to this point, like he he forgot his shoes for the AAU tournament. You know, he had to turn around, and go back to the apartment. Like, imagine if he got there and no one had shoes. You know, just little things like that. That you know, when, when you really think about his story, it's a, it's a movie. His 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 life is a movie. What's it like coaching a kid like that? Yeah, just awesome. He's he's a great kid to be around on a daily basis. He loves the game of basketball. Always watching NBA games, NCAA games, you know, watching videos, you know, once the extra. And, you know, the, the thing that I saw the most, you know, is just off the court. You know, always talk to him about, hey, be a pro's pro and, you know, be a leader. And he, he'd never been in that role before. So I had to catch myself sometimes like, you know, you have to, you know, coach him how to be a leader, you know, what to say, what to, you know, think, what different things to do. And so many times I think as coaches, you, know, you expect kids to lead because they're the best player or a senior, but they don't know how to do it. They don't know what to say. And he just – he's a sponge. He, he's just great to be around. It's actually really interesting that you make that point because it's – he's probably never been a star before on any team, has he? No, I mean, like last year we played St. Bonaventure and beat them. And then our third game was Iona. And – you know, he's always been a pass first, second point guard. So the first four minutes of the game, you know, they're locking on their shooters like Illinois did. He's coming off a ball screen and making passes and, and turn the ball over. 
So I said, JP, you have to score the ball. Like he'd never been a you know scorer really. And he ended up having like 27 points, you know, 14 rebounds, eight assists that game. And he, you know, he's, you know, he, you fail to realize, like you mentioned, like he'd never been a go-to guy. Like five years ago, the guy was averaging two points a game, not even playing in his high school. So there's a lot of things you learn through the you know course of time. And, you know, you expect and think they know, but they don't know. All right, Jeff. Uh, I don't know if um, if Goodman told you, but we do have a surprise for you on the stream today. You didn't tell me. What's up, Coach? Hey, what's up? <laughs> we, we we got the bowl family connection here. We, we we wanted to connect you guys. We wanted to, you know, Chase has been <laughs> like my my biggest fan here of of DMing me uh, constantly throughout the year bowl. So. We had to bring him on and uh, get you guys kind of reunited here. How, how hard has it been, Chase, not being able to see your dad? You know, obviously you see him from afar last night after the win against Virginia, but but not being able to give him – I don't know if you still give him hugs at 14 years old anymore, but, uh, you know, I, I'm assuming you would have after that one. Yeah, I, I think it's – I think it's, you know, I think it's a responsibility for him to have, you know, to stay away. Like, it's, I know it's, like, hard for him. And it's obviously hard for us, but it's just a sacrifice we have to make. But it's, I mean, I like seeing them uh, up closer than we usually are. But yeah, I think it's a lot easier when I get to go see him at the games than FaceTiming him. But yeah, like when we went through yes, that one COVID pause, it was very hard because, you know, he, I couldn't see him for like a week and a half or something. So, and then recently we've been staying away from each other, not trying to. You know, getting too close to contact with me going to school, being around everybody. Jeff, what's it like? What's it like now seeing Chase and, and again, like winning that game and having your family there? You know, I was at Abilene Christian last night, and it was cool. But but I felt I also felt like, you know, Joe Pleasant couldn't hug Anthony Pleasant after he made those free throws. How hard is that for you not to jump in the stands and hug your family? Yeah, it's funny he chases on here because I called him. I said, hey, I'm going to be on uh, Goodman and Douster's live this morning. <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh, cool. Okay, okay. See ya. But we had it hooked up. We guy, had it hooked man. up. You know, he lives it, breathes it, dies it. And, you know, he's our best recruiter. And and the, the tough thing for me was that, you know, after that MAC championship game, not to have him down there cutting the nets down with us, you know, dancing on the floor, taking the pictures. And that, you know, that's everybody, their families, you know, there's sacrifice involved and, you know, you wish you could, you know, enjoy those experiences together because he's been through a lot. You know, I mean, he's lived in Akron, lived in Columbus, lived in Stony Brook, you know, and now we're back at Ohio University. And a lot of people don't realize what the sacrifice, you know, kids make of coaches, uh, sons and daughters, and uh, just, you know, you want to experience it with them. So, Jeff, you mentioned uh, dancing on the floor after the game. Please, I got to ask you, did you see your dad dancing in the locker room last night? Can you kind of break that down? Listen, so I've made a tweet previously about how, you know, I, I think he needs some new dance moves, and part of it's on me. You know, I need to give him some, you know, new, new lessons or something. <laughs> I don't like the jazz hands going on there. I don't know what that was. That was a June bug challenge, man. The June bug challenge. And then he gave me a little shopping cart. I don't know what that was going around in the circle. I think, you know, you need some new dance moves. Like, like uh, I forget who was saying it last night um, in the studio. They're talking about how you need some new dance moves because, you know, you're – I'm sorry, it was Mark Titus. He was going at you for, uh, you know, your little when – you, whenever you don't know what to do, you know, you go with the dab. Yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of pressure, man. Like – you know, Chase said Charles Barkley called me out, and you know, we might have to have a dance off, me and him. But you know, those are you know, I work for Mark Schmidt at Robert Morris, and he always told me after every win, enjoy it and celebrate it because you never know when the next one's coming. Well, I'll, I'll tell you this much, guys. Um, I was at a wedding years ago for Jeff Porzello and uh, and I got a video of him and Casey to do a next song that I show you guys. Not good, yeah. It ain't pretty. It ain't pretty. You, you you got me beat, boss. You got me beat no problem whatsoever. All right, well, listen, 
we, we really appreciate you guys coming on. We wanted to get the two of you on together. I know it's been difficult for you guys not to be able to uh, to be. Listen, my 17-year-old daughter even misses me right now, which never happens. So I, I know how hard it is for everybody right now. Enjoy it. Uh, good luck against Creighton. And uh, I can't wait for that Jason Preston, Marcus Zagorowski matchup. So uh, I'll be there tomorrow for that one and, and uh, lock into that scout bowl. Awesome. Appreciate you guys. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Chase. That was fun. All right. There you have it. Fun. There you have it. Right? Pretty cool. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I enjoyed it. It was uh, – so I, I figured it out um, as soon as yeah. we launched the screen, the, the stream, the, a little notification popped up that said uh, Chase Bowles has joined the chat. And I was like, oh, uh, All right. All right. All right. It was a little giveaway, but it was still – like, I think those – yeah. I don't know. Those are the cool, the, the cool stories. Again, when I was watching, you know, last night, how about this? So the VCU, uh, Oregon game being scrapped, I was supposed to be at that game. So I was, that was my fourth game of the day. You can only pick four games a day. That was my fourth game of the day. And when it got scrapped, um, we were next door, we were in Lucas oil and it's split in half and we're at Missouri, Oklahoma. And, and when it was scrapped, we were walking into Lucas oil at the time. And I look for the game, and I'm like, you know what? Let's just stay here. Texas, Abilene Christian, Joe Golding. You know what I think of Joe Golding. You absolutely know. I've been talking about him how often? And too, he pulled up the upset. Too much. You've been talking about him too, too much. much. <laughs> too much. But, like, I was right. That dude can coach. He's very similar to Chris Beard, uh, not just because they're boys, but because of their, their you know, their systems and, and, and how they approach everything and how they hold guys accountable, how they recruit toughness. And I thought that was the the biggest upset of uh, of the NCAA tournament so far. I mean, we can we can argue with Oral Roberts, we can argue with North Texas. I will say this: uh, Do any of those teams uh, who they beat have three potential uh, NBA play, you know players on the roster, which is what Texas had on the front line? Yeah, well, well I mean, Texas, man. I don't I don't even know yeah. what to start with that one. Um, I will say this: the uh, what Joe Golding did defensively was just unbelievable. So my, my ridiculous. That, like I had watched them play before, and I just did not think that they would be able to do what they did against a team that had yeah. veteran guards like Texas had, against a team that had um, NBA talent yeah. like Texas had. And they they forced turnovers on 36% of the Texas possessions. Yep. They, they yep. got only one offensive rebounds against a team that has three pros on the front line. Like what? What he did was was just incredible, um, and I think eighteen look, offensive rebounds, eighteen offensive rebounds, eighteen. And and I, look, I I want to give a lot of the credits has to go to Joe Golding, but you also got to give credit to those players, man. Look, do you know how hard it is to play defense as tough and as aggressive as they played for forty minutes against that level of competition? Like those dudes, yeah. their their legs got to be gone right now, man. They got to be so sore. I hope they're in the ice bath or something right now. But like all the credit, they their balls off. Um, and, and that was, that was such an intense game. Like I, I didn't really have anything on it. Right. Like I, I bet the first half under, so like, I wasn't sweating it out. I have Texas in my final four, but like, I don't give a fuck about my bracket. Um, Golding knew Golding told me last night. He's like, I, I know you picked, I think Beard told him. He's like, Beard, Beard told me you picked, uh, you picked Texas in the game. I'm like, damn right. I picked Texas. Yeah. Who wouldn't pick Texas. They get all the talent. We, everybody, I mean, a lot of people in Texas, like myself, going to the Final Four, they they were that talented. But um, the story, the Joe Pleasant story was awesome too, Rob. Like, this is a kid who I, I, I'm posting the story in a minute that I wrote, um, who, who was terrible when he was younger. I asked him, I said, I went up and talked to Anthony Pleasant, um, who played in the, the NFL for like 15 years. I said, how you know, we we're talking about him. And he said he was awful. He couldn't dribble. And, and even uh, Joe Pleasant said to me, he's like, yeah, I was the last one picked in pickup when I was younger. Uh, I was awful. He's not wrong. And here's this kid who comes up with, you know, two biggest free throws. He's like a 50, you know, 9% free throw shooter for the season. And he buries both. And, and what I wrote was I think the tournament needed that a little bit at that time because, again, we're dealing with the VCU thing and, everybody's worried that the tournament might kind of crumble here and this thing might, might spread to other teams and we might have issues. And I think we needed kind of a good feel good story last night. 
and uh, anybody who was staying up for that one saw it with with Anthony Pleasant and a a Abilene Christian program that was awful ten years ago. Awful Division Two, awful. Not bad in Division One. They were awful in Division Two when Joe yeah. Golden took they over. Never, they, they never did anything when Joe Golden took over, and uh, he got there. I believe I, I want to say it was 2011. I might be making that up. I believe it was 2011. Immediately turned them around, got them to Division One, and now they're they're in the NCAA tournament, and, and uh, here they are. Um, at some point, we have to have the conversation about uh, what's going to happen with Shaka Smart and Texas, and is this the kind of thing? No, we need to do it right now. We have to do it right now. We have to we have to at least touch on it right now. And what would you do if you're Chris Delconic? Shaka Smart appeared to have saved his job this year with it with a terrific season. You know, pros on the front line veteran guards and wings um and now losing again you know he's barely made it in the tournament in the past when he's gotten into texas and now you got a team that people are picking to go to the final four and you you lose to abilene christian a team in your state um in the first round the way you did is that a fireable offense now rob or no um i don't think that you fire him what i think that you do is uh you suggest quite vociferously that he look at the Marquette job. Um, I think that's what I would do if I was Chris Del Conte. Uh, you know, obviously he almost got it before. I think that was, that, that got pretty far down the road. Um, and uh, I wonder I, if he can get it now. I mean, honestly, I, if you're choosing between Porter Moser and, and Chaka Smart right now, and, and maybe Beeline, um, and, and Marquette's got a lot of talent. So if I they somehow I kept that talent. I don't think that it'll be Beeline. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't expect that it'll be Beeline. Uh, I could see Porter Moser. I would probably hire him over um, over Shaka at this point, because that's just based off the success that he's had at Loyola. Uh, but it's also um, there are going to be considerations that that go a little bit beyond just like how good of a coach that, that person is going to be. I've heard that they want to make sure that they have um, a little bit of more diversity in their hiring than they've had in the past, uh, which is something that that um, that would need to be taken into account. But uh, I mean, I, I I feel bad for Shaka, man. Like this this was the year. This was the year to kind of get that monkey yeah. off his back. So, yeah. um, and I don't know if he's going to be able to at this point. But you know, Minnesota, like Minnesota, could be a good spot for him. To be honest, here's here's the problem with 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 Shaka going to Minnesota is that like there are so many other guys that make sense there. You know, I, I think Marquette is a little bit of a better fit because there's not as many like obvious options. But like Craig Smith. Yeah is an obvious option in Minnesota. Nico Medved is an obvious option in Minnesota. Brian Dutcher is an obvious option in Minnesota. Tim Miles makes a lot of sense in Minnesota. Like there are five, six, seven guys. I get it, but but did you not see the, the story that was written recently oh, in the Minneapolis oh, I, Star I, I Tribune? Saw I saw it. I just think it's a little bit more yeah. – that's that, there's a lot of moving parts. I don't know. Both of those. Yep, guys. yep. Um, all right. What else did we have yesterday? We had uh, Ohio and Jason Preston winning. Um, that yep. was – that was a very obvious upset. We don't have to talk too much about it. Um, the one thing I just want to say is, like, there were a lot of overarching opinions coming out about Tony Bennett and Virginia basketball and all this other stuff uh, about – because he had – Moronic. He's got, like, Moronic. The, weirdest, the weirdest three-year tournament run in, in the history of the sport. Sure. First, first guy to ever lose to a 16 seed, win a national yeah. title, lose to a 13 seed the next year. Um, and so everyone is out here tweeting again and, and – writing again and posting it about how um, Virginia can't win the big game, this, that, and the third. Look, Virginia was not as good as they normally are this year. They were they were overinflated as a four seed. I think everybody has kind of accepted the fact that they were not quite that good. They were also coming off of a shutdown where they did not practice for a week. And to me, where that showed up in the second half, Virginia got all the shots that they wanted. Go back and watch the tape. They got open shots, the shots that they wanted out of their offense. They all ended up short. You know what that says to me? That says to me that it's a team that didn't have any legs. Now, it's not to say that Ohio didn't deserve to win because that's not the case at all. They went out there and they executed. They made the plays that they needed to make. They were really, really good defensively. And, um, you know, uh, the the Vanderplas kid made two big shots. Uh, Jason Preston had two beautiful assists um, on the most important possessions of the game, and they won the game. Like They, they went out and they did it. But um, it was uh, – yeah. What else? What what else stood out to you? What else stood out to you the most? I mean, the Pac-12's dominance, uh, Big Twelve, other than Texas, uh, you know, sending everybody forward here. And I mean, listen, 
you know, I'm trying to think of like what else was kind of that one thing. I mean, Maryland beating your UConn Huskies, that was a little bit surprising. No, I wasn't. The way they beat them. The way they beat them. How, no, the way let, me they ask, beat them. let me ask you this. On this stream, every single time UConn plays, I've said I'm, I'm going to bet on them, right? Every single time. I did not bet on UConn against Maryland. Like, that was that was a horrible matchup. They switch yeah, everything. It was. They take you out of what you want to run offensively, and they have, they have like, one or two guys that are perfectly suited to being able to lock up James Booker. And if you can lock up James Booknight and take him out of take him out of the consideration and not let him create, UConn doesn't have another option. Like that was very true. As that came out, what was the first thing I said on Selection Sunday night? It's a horrible yeah. match. Bad matchup. Bad yeah. matchup. No, no, you're right. I I kind of accepted the my my fate that that was going to be the way that that thing ended up playing out. You know who looked good? You know who looked really good? And I don't know if it was just they're better than we think, or the team they played isn't very good. Is uh, Colorado? They, they were unbelievable. Uh, Samaki Walker's son was like lighting it up. McKinley Wright was exactly what we know McKinley Wright is. Made every right play. And uh, Georgetown lost by, uh, felt like 100. Honestly, it, they were never in this game. It was absolutely, I was at that one to start the day. And I was like, oh man, I picked the wrong game here. I picked absolutely the wrong game because um, I forget what was the, the other game that I missed. Oh, the game, Kansas game. I think I could have been at that one. And uh, and I chose uh, Hinkle for uh, for the first two games to see honestly Patrick Ewing and Rick Pitino, and neither game were great. Like Pitino kept it close for a while. I mean, he did a hell of a job, and I was thinking maybe maybe here, uh, but eventually Alabama won out. Uh, Herb Jones made a huge play, and um, you know Petty didn't play well. That worries me, but I actually think it's kind of good for Alabama that Petty didn't have one of his games where he was like five for seven from three and, and was terrific because he'll have it. He'll have it in the next one probably. Yeah. Um, the only other game that I really wanted to talk about was uh, – well, there's two. I want to talk about UCSD um, hanging on to uh, – or losing to, uh, yep. to Creighton at the end on a play that, um, yep. I mean, was not – did you think that was a foul at the end on Amadou Sal? It looked like it to me, but again, I couldn't tell for sure. I couldn't tell, but it looked like it. I, I just didn't think they were going to get the call anyway. Yeah, I didn't think that it was a foul. Um, I thought that he went up looking for the contact, uh, trying to avoid the contact instead of just going through and, and drawing a foul. And, and um, I think that's what would have gotten him the call. And it sucks because I had I had US, uh, UCSB winning, and uh, yeah. That would have been a nice little upset. We would have had a nice little 12-13 matchup in the second round of the NCAA tournament. Um, the other one was Eastern Washington. Did you expect that out of the uh, the Eagles, the Groves brothers? Well, I did, only because, honestly, because you were like who they're playing against here. You know, it's it's a Kansas team that's without one of its – they're not exactly loaded with talent this year, as we've said, and, and they're without Jalen Wilson, one of their top offensive players, and David McCormick's coming back from a long layoff of not practicing with the team. And he looked gassed. Like, I, I mean, he always does when he runs. Like he looks tired, but he looked even more lethargic than usual going against uh, the Tanner Groves, who was kind of the star. Imagine if they had won. Like Tanner Groves would be everywhere today if they had won. Because, man, the look, the game, all of it. Uh, it was fun to watch Eastern Washington. That was that was a fun, fun game that, again, I wish I had been at. Yeah. Um, so UCLA and LSU both looked very, very good yesterday. LSU completely dominated St. Bonaventure. Um, and uh, UCLA was very, very impressive in their win over BYU. Um, do you take anything out of those two games? Um, I think I feel, you know, UCLA now draws uh, draws um, Abilene Christian in the second yeah. round of the tournament. Which will be an interesting matchup. I actually think that they're better suited to to taking on um, a team like that than Texas is because Tiger Campbell is a guy that's going to make right decisions and, and is not going to uh, get too overwhelmed by pressure. Um, I think that what you have to do when you when you face Abilene is be able to uh, beat them in isolation and, and kind of win one on one. And I think that UCLA has better guys for that than uh, Texas does in theory. So I don't know. We'll see. That's a tough defense that uh, that Abilene Christian plays. Um, the other one that is well, that's the thing. They just make it so ugly for you. And, and they're like, I don't know if you could tell on TV, their guards are so small. They're tiny, Rob. Like, 
that was the part that blew me away as much as just about anything. It's obviously, you know, you got like the, the matchup of Jericho Sims and I forget his name, number three for, uh, for Abilene. And it's like Jericho's this friggin' hulking beast of a man. And, and you got this dude who's like maybe 6'4", 260 pounds. And he looks like, honestly, and, and Golden said this, he's probably going to be a really good defensive end. Uh, once he finishes playing here, like that's probably what he should have been in college. But man, they they just play hard as shit, and and that's going to be a hell of a game. It's going to be a hell of a game. Trust me, it's going to be ugly. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about um, let's talk about tonight's slate uh, or today's slate, I guess I should say. Um, should we let's let's just go through every game. We only have eight games. Yeah. We'll yeah. We'll Agreed. So tipping yep, off at a twelve ten, an island game. We have Illinois. Taking on Loyola, Chicago, Illinois is uh, at Bet Rivers right now is laying seven and a half. The total there is one thirty three point five. Jeffrey, what do you like? You know, I think I like Illinois. I, I just I watched Loyola in person the other day. Um, they're 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 talented. They're talented. I just don't know, and I love Cam Crutwick. I just don't know how he's going to deal with Kofi. I think Kofi can get him in foul trouble early, and then the game completely changes uh, if that happens. I, I, you know, and Crowley, like, is he a guy who's really going to be able to exploit Kofi on the defensive end? I feel like Kofi's been so much better defensively um, over the last month or so, even with tough matchups for him, guys that can pull him away from the basket. He just seems to be more confident and making the right decisions on ball screens. Uh, so I, I like Illinois laying the seven and a half here. Yeah, I, I like him as well. Um, I, you know, the the thing about Crutwig is, um, I don't think that he'll be able to handle Kofi one on one in the paint, um, which is something that he's been able to do with other bigs. Uh, I don't think that I'm worried all that much about him pulling Kofi out on the perimeter because he's not someone that's going to just sit out there and like pull an EJ Liddell and hit step back jumpers on him or um, or anything like that. And the other thing is, you know, Loyola's defense. What they want to do is is kind of overplay and take you out of running your offense. So I am a little bit concerned about the fact that yeah. um, they'll probably do what we've seen like Maryland do, where they do a lot of switching and, and uh, force Io to get to his left hand, um, which is yep. not ideal. But again, like part of the advantage of having Andre Corbello out there is now you have two different playmakers, and that's going to be yeah. very difficult for them to deal with. So um, I, I really like uh, Illinois there. As soon as I saw that, that line open at seven, uh, I jumped all over. I think one thing that we have seen, is some of these smaller leagues, uh, whether it is the Mountain West or the Missouri Valley, um, have not been as good once we've gotten them into, uh, you know, some of the, the bigger conference play. Like we saw Drake get run off the floor by USC, yep. which, by the way, like apparently the Pac-12 is the best conference in America. Um, it's ridiculous. It's so I really, funny. I really like Illinois. Uh, I got them at seven. They're laying seven and a half now. All right, next up, at 240, we have uh, Baylor laying six and a half at Bet Rivers. Um, against Wisconsin, that total is one thirty-seven point five. How do you feel about that one, Jeffrey? Uh, I like the given the points here. I mean, again, I, I like Baylor. I know Wisconsin came off that absolute thrashing of Carolina, but a big reason is because honestly, of guard play there, right? I mean, Wisconsin has veteran guards. Pat Davison lit it up. Uh, Demetri Trice lit it up. Well, last I checked. Uh, I do not believe Carolina's guards uh, are, are are of the defensive prowess of Davion Mitchell or Jared Butler. So, uh, Davison and, and Trice, uh, you are going to have a completely different look defensively for you today from Baylor. And I think Baylor, again, starting to get that confidence back again. You know, they needed that game against Hartford, to be honest, just to feel like they're back to being Baylor. Um, whether it's real or not, I don't know, but you need to feel that. And I think they felt it. So I'm, I'm, I'm laying the points here, six and a half, I think, uh, for Baylor. Yeah, I'm going to be doing the same thing. Um, the, the one big concern that I have uh, with the North Carolina front line against, um, against Baylor was just overwhelming them on the yeah. offensive glass. And Wisconsin's not a team that goes and crashes the glass. Like, that's one thing right. that kind of, like, avoid doing um, yeah. to, try to avoid, uh, try to prevent you from being able to get out and, and – um, and run in transition. So I'm, I'm not really uh, worried about that there. Um, I do think that, to me, there's going to be two things that kind of end up being a key here. The first is going to be, um, can, can does Baylor's defense just completely overwhelm um, Wisconsin's guards? Right. What, what Baylor wants to do is they want to force you on one side of the floor 
Um, we've talked about like the pre, the pre rotating, the pre helping, and all that. Uh, but they really just kind of switch everything and and try to make you beat them one on one. Is Demetrius Trice going to be able to beat a Jared Butler or a Macy Oteague or a uh, or a Davion Mitchell one on one? I don't know. Um, I don't think that Brad Davis. It'll be tough. Uh, yeah. So that'll be big. The other part of it is I think that Matthew Meyer is going to be a key. Um, you know, we, we we've talked before about how Baylor's best five might be uh, when they have four guards and Mark Vidal on the floor. Well, um, if you can play Matthew Meyer as one of those four guards to give yourself a little bit more size and allow him to match up with someone like a Tyler Wall or a Nate Reavers, I think that that really changes things. Uh, but, yeah, I'm, I'm into – I think that, that Baylor's defense is back, and if their defense is back, then I just, I just can't see Wisconsin um, hanging with the Bears. Uh, all right, next up, uh, West Virginia. Land four against Syracuse. Yep. The total is 147. Where are you on this game? Tips at 515. Um, boy, this is a tough one for me. I don't have a great feel for this one. Like, I, I, I kind of want to go West Virginia. I think they're the better team, obviously. I think it's kind of low number, only four with the way you know, Syracuse was a team that barely got in the tournament. West Virginia's been pretty damn good this year on the, on the offensive end. Uh, defensively, they're not great. And that's what worries me, that Syracuse has kind of got their mojo back now. I mean, Buddy was great in their last game, and front line's been solid. Um, I don't know. What, what what are you playing here? I really like Syracuse in the spot. I'll be on the <laughs> line, and I'll tell you why. It's pretty simple. Um, according to Synergy's database, uh, West Virginia is the worst team against zone defenses in the NCAA tournament. They, wow. They are – 15th percentile in points per possession against zone uh, zone defenses. They only faced, I think it was 176 possessions all season, which is a little bit of a small sample size, but it is big yeah. enough for us to say they're not very good against zones. Uh, we saw it against, I believe it was Oklahoma State, when Oklahoma State went to that zone without Cade Cunningham and beat them in Morgantown. Uh, so, I, look, the, what Oklahoma State was running is very different from what, what's, uh, what, what Syracuse is going to end up running. Uh, but I do think that uh, the zone is going to be a problem for them. And I understand that they can shoot over the top of it. And I also understand that uh, Syracuse is the worst defensive rebounding team in the tournament. And Derek Culver is a man on the glass. But yep. Um, yep. Culver is going to have to guard Merrick Dolajay at the other end of the floor. Uh, he ends up getting into foul trouble. That's the kind of thing where I can see it being a pretty big problem for West Virginia. So I'll probably be on Syracuse. I'm going to take the money line to get a little bit of extra juice. I don't see them losing a close game. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at with it. All right. Uh, next one, uh, Texas Tech, Arkansas. Yep, Arkansas uh, is Texas. getting two points. Getting two, huh? Yep. Wow. All right. Scares me a little bit, but uh, you know where I go with this one. Mm-hmm. I think Arkansas has probably got a little more talent overall, but uh, I'm going to go with Chris Beard. I just think this is his time of year. Um, I'm expecting Mac McClung to have a big game against Arkansas. Um, I, I think, you know, again, the key, the key to me is those other guys for Texas Tech. Like, you know, I, listen, I don't love them in this in this spot. I don't love them. I just think it, it's kind of a pick em game, and now you're giving two points. I don't love that either. Um, but I, I just trust Beard in these moments. I do. And Arkansas, you know, they haven't been to the uh, the Sweet 16 in a long, long time. I think it's almost like – I don't remember what the date was. Remember what the date the last time I tweeted it out? Now I can't remember. It was, some, it was a was long it, time. It's when, when they had – I think you were making a Pat Bradley joke. So it must have been when they had Pat. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. You're right. Good point. Good point. Uh, yeah. So I don't. I have absolutely no feel for this game. Um, I'm not. I'm not going to have any money on it. I'm just going to sit back and enjoy it because I think it's going to be a little bit of a uh, a fun coaching matchup. Seeing how these these guys adjust. Um, I do expect that uh, we're going to end up in a situation where, like, the last 15 minutes of the game, it's full small ball, where we have Justin Smith at the five on one end of the floor and Micah Peavy at the five mm-hmm. on the other end of the floor. Um, I'm going to be very curious to see how Musselman adjusts to the no middle defense that Chris Beard plays, um, and the fact that uh, like they they it feels like Arkansas. Like one of the things I was talking with Sam and Sammy about this, and, and he made an interesting point. Moses Moody like is a guy that loves driving baseline, but when you drive baseline against uh, Texas Tech, if you're not driving to pass, 
you're driving straight into a, a guy that's trying to take a charge. Um, and that's that might be a little bit of a problem because Moses Moody's not driving the pass; he's driving the score. Uh, I think that that Arkansas has the guys, the creators on the perimeter, to be able to um, to, um, to to score in isolation against Tech. But it's also the kind of thing where I think that Tech's defensive schemes are like if Mark Adams is going to figure out a way to, to kind of shut down what Arkansas wants to do. Uh, so I very much think that this is going to be a close game. game. I think what I like here more than anything is the under. Um, but again, it's 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 kind of a situation where I, I don't I don't have a great feel for either side, and I think it's going to be kind of like a defensive feel them out game. So I would probably just want to be on the under. But I'm, this is one of those games where I'm just going to sit back and enjoy it. And if you weren't to force me to take a side, I would probably just take the money line on Arkansas with the extra juice because I very much think that this is a pick game. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, all right, next up, Houston Rutgers. Um, but I got I got Rutgers at plus eight and a half. It's down to plus seven and a half. Rutgers yeah, is like my, my second. Illinois was my favorite bet of the day. Rutgers is probably my second favorite bet of the day. Um, I think Rutgers might be my favorite bet of the day. You know, yeah, getting set, whatever you said, what seven and a half, eight, right around there right now. Yeah. Um, you know, I just think honestly, like this is just a grind it out game, and 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 again, like two tough teams. Um, you know, to me, again, Rutgers has kind of found their 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 rhythm again. They lost it there in the middle of the year, but I mean, they got talent, man. Like they got talent, they got toughness, they got guards, they got some bigs, and Miles Johnson, uh, as long as he's healthy. Um, I just I've never been completely bought into Houston this year. And now you got Dejan Giroux, who may or may not play uh, today with like a hip point, or he got hit early on in that game the other day. And and they need Giroux now. Like they didn't need him as much going into season with Mills, but like now they need Giroux. Like they they, they need everybody. So I, I like Rutgers getting seven and a half, eight, whatever it is right now. Yeah. So there's one thing that I've seen people. The the point people make is, um, you know, I, I talked about this yesterday on the stream. There's a, there's a couple of things that I look for when it comes to uh, yeah. trying to put a side. One of them is like the offensive rebounding percentages. Uh, Houston, second nationally in offensive rebounding percentage. Rutgers, uh, 222nd nationally in defensive rebounding percentage. The other one is foul rates and free throw percentages. Uh, Houston is the most foul-prone team left in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Um, they have the highest defensive free throw rate left in the NCAA tournament. They put a ton of people on the line. Rutgers shoots 63% from the line. Terrible free throw shooting team. Um, yeah, yeah. All that stuff matters. But I will say this. Part of what Houston wants to do is play bully ball. They want to get physical with you. They want to pound you on the offensive glass. They're bigger. They're stronger. They're more athletic. They were able to just overwhelm teams in the American. What we saw yep. with Memphis, the last few games that they played, is that they weren't able to do that. And Rutgers right, is right. as good as, if not better, than that Memphis team. Um I think part of what happened with especially the defensive rebounding stuff is that Rutgers numbers are a little bit skewed because they played in the league where you went up against Luca Garza and Kofi Coburn and Hunter Dickinson and all of these big, massive dudes in the Big Ten. So I think that that's a little bit skewed. And more than anything else, I'm expecting this game to be, uh, like you said, slow pace and grind it out. And giving me seven and a half points in a matchup, well, when I got eight and a half points in a matchup like this, is just it's too many points. Uh, so I, I, I very much will be on Rutgers in this spot. Um, all right, moving on. Uh, we have Florida laying eight and a half against Oral Roberts. That totals one forty-eight. Uh, that line opened up at six and a half. Wow, it's up to eight and a half. Wow, that little surprising with the way Oral Roberts played the other day. Um, Appleby, I, I think we'll give it a go, but you know they, they've had their issues lately. Um, Scotty Lewis played well in that first game. Listen, they're more talented. We know that. They're they're big. They're talented. But, man, I don't know if I want to go against uh, Asmus and, and O'Banner right now. Like, those two are a friggin' duo. They can just score the ball. They can shoot it. I'll take the points there. I'll take eight and a half and, and, and be happy to take eight and a half. I might even take the money line. Um, I think I actually like Florida in this spot. Um, your, logic, your logic is spot on. Uh, I don't think that um, – I think that this matchup is better for, for Florida than the Ohio State matchup was. 
I think that they have better athletes and better defenders to be able to kind of take away Asmus and, and Kevin O'Banner. I think that having a Colin Castleton inside to kind of overwhelm, um, overwhelm the front line is definitely a different difference maker because, I mean, look, Oral Roberts is not really all that big. Uh, you'll get some easy points that way. And I think that unlike Ohio State, uh, Florida is going to have the best player on the floor, Trey Mann. Um, you know, everything that, that Max Asmus can do, Trey Mann can do better. Uh, so, um, yeah, I just – No, he, can, he can't shoot it. He can't shoot it like Max, Max can. He cannot. Well, okay. Um, Trey Mann is – if you're going to tell me you want one guy to, try to, to carry a team and try to take over a game, are you taking Trey Mann or are you taking Max Asmus? Max. I'm taking Max. Um, I will take Trey. Take Max. All right, you take Trey. I'm, I'm, I'm taking the nation's leading scorer, the no. guy who just torched uh, Ohio State. Yeah, but I mean, look, Ohio State can't really guard ball screens. The the one thing that Florida State, that Florida can actually do is they can still guard. They still got dudes. They still got better athletes. Um, you know, I just look. There's there's way more talent on this Florida roster. I know that they got Mike White coaching them instead of Chris Holtman, but there's way more talent on this Florida roster than there was on on Ohio State. So, um, yeah. All right. All right. I like Florida. Uh, I think this is where the dream goes to die. Where I think that we're going to actually see a team make a run to the second round is in this next game. Yeah. Villanova lane six against North Texas. That total is 126. Jeffrey, what do you like here? Um, well, you know, I don't love Villanova, but this one scares me. It, it you know, <laughs> excuse me. Whoa. Excuse me. Whoa. Whoa. It's yeah. better than a ding. I'll tell you that. What's you say? You're supposed to say bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Thank you. Uh, anyway, um, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't – like, to me, again, kind of your your theory a little bit with Winthrop. Now, again, the difference is J.B. on Hamlet in, in North Texas have, have, have athletes, right? Winthrop didn't – they weren't super athletic, especially at the point guard spot. Um, they've got guys that can make plays off the bounce uh, in Denton, Texas. So – I think I want to take the points and I want to take the money line and say one of Oral Roberts or North Texas is going to win. So I'm going to take both money lines and end up uh, hitting on one of the two. So that's what I would probably be uh, leaning towards doing. Take the five and a half. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm really interested in, uh, in North Texas and the six points here for there. There's a number of reasons. One, um, I think that the way that they, they defend, can kind of take away what uh, what uh, Villanova wants to do. I'm a little bit worried about the matchup with Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Like I think he can dominate, but I do think that there are enough good perimeter defenders to kind of make it so they okay. You're going to have to have Jeremiah Robinson Earl win one on one, but he's going to try to win one on one and score twos, which is not necessarily the most effective way to, to play a game. Um, I expect this game to be very low scoring. Both of these teams want to walk it up and play possession by possession. So I don't I, – I, I'm a little bit interested in the under. I know that number's kind of low. I'll probably just be on the first half under as opposed to the full game under. Um, and then offensively, what North Texas can do is, one, Javion Hamlet, like, wants to put the ball on the floor, get in the lane and score. Like, he shoots a ton of floaters. Yeah. And I think he'll be able to penetrate against this Villanova perimeter defense. Uh, Villanova is also a team that does not make it a priority to run teams off the three-point line. And as we saw against Purdue – North Texas can really fill it up from beyond the arc. I think they were, what, 9 for 20 from three against Purdue. Yeah. Um, and they shoot 38% from three on the season. Uh, so you combine all of those things with the fact that the biggest issue that North Texas have has offensively is that they turn the ball over a ton. And Villanova is not a team that goes out and tries to force turnovers. I I really, really like North Texas here. I think that they, out of all of the teams that have made it to the uh, made it to the Sweet 16 as like 12 or below, I think that they have the best events. Yeah. All right, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. All right, the last one of the night, your Oklahoma State Cowboys and Kate Cunningham against the Tinkles, the fighting Tinkles. And uh, Wayne Tinkle uh, in the Sweet 16 would be absolutely insane. Talk about uh, improbables. Uh, yep. There were a lot of people that thought Wayne Tinkle might get fired after this year. He's still got money left on his contract that probably would have given him another year. But now Wayne Tinkle might get an extension. Um, can he beat Cade? Can, can Oregon State, are you taking the six points? I will not be taking the six points. Um, I, I don't love it, but I just – it's very hard for me. This is a great run, though. I, I don't want to slander Oregon State. Like, this is a great run that they're on. Um, yeah. It's just very difficult for me to back Oregon State in this spot. The only thing that I will say is that 
uh, Pac-12 teams are no longer allowed to lose in the NCAA tournament. They can't lose games. It is a physically impossible for them to lose games. So maybe we should just be on the money line here because the Big 12 only wins. I feel like the Pac-12 is going to go from like having you know, 5 of 32 to 0 of 16. You know, I just feel like it's the bottom's going to fall out. Um, the ACC's already gotten hit pretty hard. Um, and we're going to have like a tournament of, of, of like Big 12 and, uh, uh, you know, Big 10 teams, you know, in this in the Sweet 16. Um, all right. Well, listen, we, we got uh, we got some games today. What time is my game? 1210? Is that the 12-10. You're going. You got an hour. You're going. I got to get some coffee in me. I mean, I, I've gotten like a couple hours sleep here. Um, but you know what? It was it was worth it. It was worth it. Uh, again, Abilene Christian. Um, Potentially, potentially pulling off uh, the the biggest upset of this tournament, and uh, well, guy, I know everybody. Joe was not happy with us for our uh, our, our pick of uh, our pick of uh, North Texas. It's a good. It's I a get good. it. I get it. I love Villanova. Well, I'll tell Listen, you, this. I love Villanova. I just don't love Villanova without Colin Gillespie. And six points is too many points in this matchup. I think it's going to be a dog fight. Um, yeah. And if, if anybody who wanted to hear the Shaka uh, stuff, we, we did touch on it early. So uh, just make sure you listen to the podcast. Make sure you also uh, check all our bets. We're both pretty hot. We've both been pretty damn hot lately. Um, Rob has been scorching hot. Uh, so make sure you uh, you, you check his uh, bets on BetSports. I've been hot all year. At BetSports, yeah, you actually. So I was all proud of my graph that I, I was tweeting out. And then you sent me your graph, and it's just like I have I have a big yeah. hill going up this green. Like you yeah. just have a mountain. Yeah. Of green. <laughs> it's cool. um, yeah, I've been pretty good. I've been pretty good this year, and uh, hopefully it continues. Make you guys some money here uh, these last couple weeks of the season. And uh, again, I think our our favorite your your favorite bet of the day, Rob, is it Rutgers? Mine's Rutgers, uh, Illinois. Illinois. All right. You got Rutgers. I got, I got, uh, you get Illinois. I got Rutgers. Yep. All right. And well, thanks. Yeah. Nice. Jimmy, Jimmy, thanks, man. I saw you tweet to Warlock. He, he's, he's not going there. Unfortunately, he's not going to let me, uh, cover eight. Mother's Day is almost here and you can get her the most beautiful time tested gift around a watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried and true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.